This episode of the 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors, Ireland's largest car website. Find your next premium car from one of our trusted dealerships. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. (laughs) (laughs) Rugby, Rugby Weekly. Little reverse pass. Happy Friday, everybody, and equally pertinently, happy Champions Cup semi-final eve. It's Gavin Casey with you here on Rugby Weekly with the 42. I'm actually on my lonesome today, uh, so I've been given free reign to go on a Stephen A. Smith-style solo tirade. Just 20 minutes of score settling and non-sequiturs. Maybe a Leo Cullen-style one at that, actually. We'll get to that in a moment. Thankfully, Murray Kinsella, Bernard Jackman and Owen Toulon have been previewing Leinster to lose and La Rochelle Exeter for the 42 subscribers all week. And we will hear from them in a moment. As I record here on Friday afternoon, the teams have just been named and the standout news really is that Robbie Henshaw misses out for Leinster as had been reported earlier in the day by our friend Keen Tracy of the Irish Independent. And yeah, in all honesty, I don't think it's an overstatement to suggest that Henshaw's absence is one that kind of changes the complexion of this game, isn't it? I'm aware that I'm asking myself that question really, but uh, just strikes as being one that really narrows any potential deficit between these two teams. Obviously, his replacement, Charlie Natai, is a superb player. The same can be said for Ross Byrne, who deputises for Johnny Sexton. The same can be said for Jimmy O'Brien, who starts on the left wing in place of the injured James Lowe as well. Like These are three players that would strengthen the majority of teams, right? But I guess strip it back. And if Sexton, Henshaw and Lowe had been fit, would they have started this game? Absolutely. Why? because they are marginally better players than the three men who will replace them, both as individuals and within the context of a 15 or a 23-man game plan. So Leicester are, on the face of it, they're just without three of Ireland's most influential players. And make no mistake about it, I think their opposite numbers will be glad of that fact. And speaking of their opposite numbers, Toulouse have named a fittingly monstrous team for this monumental game between... Two of European rugby's aristocrats. It's um, perhaps best illustrated by Peatu Mauvaka keeping his place at hooker over Julien Marchand. Uh, Marchand started against Ireland, what, 10 weeks ago, all of? So just imagine how much of a beast you have to be in order to keep him out of a game like this. Uh, the weather forecast for Dublin from kickoff at 3 o'clock is pretty poor. And I would say, by extension, it's pretty clear what Toulouse are going to try and do in this game just absolutely launch themselves at the set piece, particularly their mall, and see if they can kind of bludgeon their way into the ascendancy, um, while obviously boasting that dual thread as well of being able to go the Harlem Globetrotters route with the likes of Dupont. You would suspect Leinster will try to play similarly to the way that Ireland played against France, similarly to the way they themselves played against Ulster in the last 16 in particular as well. Just kick the leather off the ball and play territory that way, get as much yardage as is humanly possible, but keep it in field, look to suffocate to lose in transition. And just thinking Jimmy O'Brien's left boot is about the best replacement you can find for Lowe's in that type of a situation as well. Jesus, what a game. I don't have a horse in this race per se. I know a lot of you do, but I'm still feeling the weight of it a little bit, which might explain why Leo Cullen was so fiery when he unusually came out to do press for Leinster on Monday. He took issue with 
the discourse around Leinster's socio-economic advantages uh, and about really the whole rugby world blowing smoke up their backsides all season, essentially. So you've probably read or heard his comments. Here are the follow-up thoughts of former Ireland and Melbourne Rebels performance coach Owen Toolan, who spoke with Murray Kinsella on Wednesday subscribers pod about Cullen's decision to ostensibly move on to lawyers. Well, this weekend is... Uh, really upon us now and this huge game in Dublin between five-time champions to lose as Leo Cullen was at pains to remind us and poor old four-times champions Leinster the underdogs of this tie it was really interesting listening to him the other day Owen and his framing of the challenges that Leinster faced trying to remind everyone that you know there's been a lot of hype but there's nothing won they didn't win a trophy last year and, and all this sort of stuff that people, I'm sure, read in, in our piece on, on the 42. What did you make of his kind of framing of this? Is it maybe a bit of pressure he's feeling? Is it trying to rein in those high expectations? Or, or what was your sense of it? Yeah, I think possibly learning from last year in terms of how they framed framed the probably the final, you would think. Um, lower expectations and some cold, hard facts. The, the fact is... They're probably underdelivered, haven't they, Lancer, in terms of trophies when you look at how dominant they are in the regular season and when it's gotten to the the crunch games, they just they haven't delivered in, in recent years, particularly obviously Europe, which is something they, they desperately want to rectify. I think no harm talking up to lose. They do have the five stars, they're top of the table in the top fourteen. I, I I think you can disregard the game last year. The damage was done to Toulouse in that in that quarterfinal against Munster, wasn't it? Going into extra time and, and the toll that took on on the Toulouse body. So I think this game will have a very different look to it. It'll be nowhere near as one sided as it was last year. Um and I, I I don't mind. I think um Cullen is off and um doesn't give a whole lot away, does he? And I think he's He's probably gone the other side of things now and, and tried to create a rhetoric and a narrative around Leinster, even off-field stuff around salary cap and I guess the the luxuries that are afforded to Leinster. I think he w- he's been pretty protective of the squad in that regard as well. And um, a little bit of backs to the wall. I, th- I think the heavy defeat in in uh, Loftus, obviously nothing to do with the, the team that's going to take to the field this week. But from a club's perspective, I think it's another little dig there isn't it and and, and, mm. and it's kind of us against them this weekend and um i think it's a decent way of framing it to be honest because i think leinster have to have the focus and the resolve to be able to l- deliver in a in what is a huge knockout game yeah i'm enjoying the the leo cullen media persona that's kind of emerging in the last few weeks and it's not quite spikiness but his willingness to respond to opinions and narratives and, and even criticism he's been out there pushing his agenda which he should and he's not stupid like he completely understands the the quality of the school system etc and how Leinster do have a financial strength behind them but he's trying I suppose to respond to others strong opinions in that sphere as well he mentioned Richard Rigglesworth again unprompted on on Monday and even the fact that he did that Monday press conference given he's doing one on, on Friday again was was very unusual so you knew he had points to to make and uh, you know, he, he understands that people are going to be probably antagonized by some of the stuff he says. And as I say, I'm kind of enjoying the fact that he's not shying away away from all that. Um, and that's what we probably want a bit in the game as well, Owen, is that honesty uh, and, and differing opinions from people in the media rather than sitting there and saying, look, blah, 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 it's going to be a tough game. Like, 
this is good because Leo has us all talking again this week. Absolutely. Um, and you'd say everything he said is fair as well, isn't it? Like, he, I don't think he's bullshitting anyone in what he's saying. Um, I think he's being protective of the brand. And he, as I said, he's building a narrative around the week. And you would say, like, it's not Leinster's fault, but they've been pretty comfortable in, in the regular season, haven't they? The, the amount of points they've put on and how dominant they've been in the domestic league that they probably do need a little bit of fire in the belly this week. And I, and, and I think Leo is, is stoking that fire and, and it's, it's been calculated. I have no doubt about that. This isn't something he thought of a couple of weeks ago. I, I think this has definitely probably been framed, possibly learnings from last year, as I've alluded to that in, going into these knockout games, I want to have a little bit more backs to the wall, which is, which is very hard to do when you've, you've been so commanding in the regular season. Hmm. And if he's taking aim at us, journalists for for hyping his team as he perceives it we're getting the filtered down version so you can only imagine what his his team are actually getting from him behind closed doors that was Owen Tulin in conversation with our own Murray Kinsella just a reminder that the 42 Rugby Weekly is sponsored by Dundeal Motors whether it's luxury cars seven seaters for a growing family or making the switch to electric find everything you need at dundeal.ie you know I thought it was difficult not to draw vague enough admittedly parallels between Cullen's presser on Monday and that of NBA star Giannis Adekompo on Wednesday night after his Milwaukee Bucks who were the top seed in the entire playoffs were eliminated 4-1 in a best of seven series by the Miami Heat who were the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference so I think it's only the fifth time no the sixth time ever that the eighth seed had knocked off the top seed and Giannis was asked afterwards if falling at that first hurdle in such a manner constituted the book season being a failure. And he gave this really passionate but thoughtful response to the journalist who'd asked him that question, rebuking the journalist for the nature of the question, basically saying that in sport, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. You can't win all of the time. And when you lose, I'm paraphrasing here, by the way, it was a lot more eloquent than this, but losing can still count as a step towards success further down the line. And his response went viral, saturated in quote tweets with the applause emojis and that sort of thing. And there was a little bit of dialogue about his press conference or that particular answer in our listeners WhatsApp group during the week as well. And I always enjoy those sorts of chats in that group chat. But it was joked as well that if none of the provinces win a trophy this season, it shouldn't be seen as a failure apart from Leinster, obviously. <laughs> and that's the thing with Giannis's comments as well, versus their own objectives as a team and versus public expectations for an exceptionally good team in the books. Falling to the heat in the first round of the playoffs is absolutely a failure on paper. And I think a lot of people would have considered it a failure, even allowing for the fact that Giannis sort of rejected that notion in the presser. Like Giannis asked the journalist if nine of... Like the nine of Michael Jordan's 15 seasons in the NBA in which he didn't win a championship, should they be considered failures as well? And instinctively, as a normal human being, you think, well, of course not, actually. Yeah, that makes sense. But if you ask Michael Jordan that question, he'd tell you that those seasons were absolutely failures. And incidentally, Shaquille O'Neal, who won four NBA championships, spoke about it afterwards and said that he considered the 15 seasons in which he won nothing to be not only failed seasons, but failures on almost a personal level. It's just that failure feels like such a loaded term when it's used in sporting conversation as though it's intended to signify some sort of deep or 
deeper moral failing rather than just a simple failure to execute on a given day or, or in the book's case in this basketball example on four given nights right which is which isn't insignificant but it's also sometimes just a failure to come overcome a little bit of adversity and when you zoom in on that Bucks heat series Janice the guy who did the press conference the Bucks best player one of the best players in the league missed about half of the entire series through injury right and that's actually the deeper reality of sport for me is like sometimes what we from the outside perceive to be success or failure just comes down to shit happens on the court or on the pitch. And I think that's partly what Cullen was getting at on Monday as well. Like the expectation all season for most quarters has been that Leinster will win this Champions Cup. And that's absolutely what they set out to do as a group at the start of the season. They've made no bones about that. But suddenly they're in a semi-final against an excellent Toulouse team who have their own aspirations of becoming European champions again and who have been building towards this game for bones of 12 months. And suddenly Leinster are down three Grand Slam winning backs. And if they lose, to bloody Toulouse in a Champions Cup semi-final, it will be seen as a failure by Leo Cullen and Stuart Lancaster and these players, which feels like absolute madness in reality. Or when you just try to look between the lines of a of a game. But those are the stakes, as well as a place in a Champions Cup final. And um, it was brilliant to see Colin come out fighting, even if you disagree with some of what he had said on Monday, just to show a little bit more of his own personality, which is something that Murray, Bernard Jackman, Owen Tudor and myself speak about in the pod quite a lot. Made for great entertainment and sort of set the scene for this game in a way as well and it's just a titanic game and by the way in the absence of murray to give a prediction i do not believe that leinster will fail on this given day i I still fancy leinster to win the game i think it might be an absolute nail biter but i do think they're good enough particularly at home to get the job done who will either leinster or toulouse face in that champions cup Final at the Aviva Stadium, well, we know it will be either La Rochelle or Exeter, both of whom have named their teams as well. Plenty of Irish involvement on both sides. You've got, obviously, Ronald O'Gara, Donica Ryan on the coaching side of things at La Rochelle. Ulton Deland starts as well. Uh, you've got the monster-bound Sean O'Brien starting at 12 for Exeter. On paper, I would have seen this game as almost a foregone conclusion, in all honesty, but we spoke about it with Bernard Jackman on Monday, who sort of had a different vantage point or gave a different perspective on it, which has kind of changed my mind. I'm going to roll that for you now and see what you make of it. We have another European semi-final to look forward to as well. And just to touch on it briefly, there's no Irish involvement in this one, obviously, Murr, but is there anything that Exeter Chiefs can take from, say, Gloucester's performance against La Rochelle in the quarterfinal? Or did La Rochelle flex their muscles to significant or to sufficient extent against Saris where you think this one is, is almost a foregone conclusion? Kind of feels that way and kind of feels like the narrative around it is that La Rochelle are just going to be waiting there in the final. And on the basis of the whole year, maybe even the whole two years, you definitely have to feel that that is the likelihood. I think it was a real bad blip for them against Gloucester and it was the the scare that they required and they were much more themselves against Saracens and it was really comprehensive and clinical and showed the whole array of there. Again, a mixture of power and skill. They've got a really nice blend, that La Rochelle team. They're f- just phenomenal around the defensive breakdown as well and Again, you'd love to see Leinster come up against that challenge or, or to lose who, whoever makes the final. It'll be, it'll be a brilliant game. Um, and there, I suppose there is little Irish elements to it. Ulton Delane's been playing 
flanker for, for La Rochelle now nearly all season. It's been really interesting to see that that change of position or repositioning. I actually spoke to him last week and we'll have the piece on the 42 maybe today, actually. Um, he's talking about, you know, re familiarizing himself with that role it actually looks like the old Connacht days because he's out in the 15 meter channels I don't know if people remember that 2-4-2 and he used to barrel over a few wingers so he's enjoyed that aspect of it um, obviously Raj and Donica Ryan and then on the Exeter Chiefs side there's actually a, a couple Irish guys there and we're waiting to see who'll be involved obviously Sean O'Brien Munsterbound centre has had two good games in a row they've got Ian Whitten and, and Jack Dunn and Rory O'Loughlin I think is, is sidelined at the moment but there's certainly Irish angles of interest and the fact that it'll be another another excellent game. Move to Bordeaux with a huge crowd, so it should be quite the occasion too, but I do sense that La Rochelle will be the ones advancing on. Are we getting a rematch, Birch, in the final? Uh, of last year, I mean. Yeah. yeah, I think we will, but I, I think watch out for Exeter. Um, my understanding is that Rob Baxter, for the last month, has come back and, and really taken control of, of training selection. So I don't know if you remember, but he stepped upstairs and... Ali Heifer took was taking more of a responsibility as they looked to transition and freshen things up, but obviously performances and results went poorly. And, and look, some of that could be down to the the huge transition that Exeter are in as a squad. Um, obviously, they're one of the teams badly affected by by salary cap, and so you know they when the salary cap reductions came in, clubs were given uh, a very short period. Uh, where they could re-sign fellas quickly um, on, on two and three year contracts well basically Exeter are getting the squeeze now for that um, um, because those 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 pay increases are, are coming in all together so they're going to have to they're, they have to break up their squad and obviously Luke Cowan-Dickey was one of the fellas uh, departing um, and it looked like their, their season was going to you know go out in a whimper but uh, and they were very lucky to be still in the competition I mean Montpellier obviously had that red card that was rescinded later on and went to extra time, um. So, but I do think they have, you know, um, the possibility of having another big performance. But La Rochelle, since that lost their game, um, and when they really need to up it, uh, just look like they have an extra gear and, and and power and quality. So, yeah, it's amazing actually because this is La Rochelle. If La Rochelle gets to the final, it'll be the third final in a row, won't it? In in um in Europe, and you know that, you know, for a club who, whatever, uh, you know, ten twelve years ago. 2013, I think they got promoted. Um, you know, it's a it's a very very rapid rise, and uh, um, to become that consistent in Europe is is not easy. That was Bernard Jackman on Monday's pod for the 42 subscribers. We still probably think Leinster, La Rochelle, a rerun of last year's final, but who knows? It's going to be an absolutely massive weekend. We will come back to look into both of those semi-finals however they turn out with Birch on Tuesday this coming weekend is a bank holiday uh, I think a couple of us are unavailable on the Monday as well unfortunately but we will get into it Tuesday rest assured we'll be looking as well at a really pivotal game for Ireland in the Women's Six Nations against Scotland and anything else that transpires over the weekend but in the meantime all I have to say to you is uh, thanks for putting up with me on my own today a little bit and also have an absolutely smashing weekend enjoy the rugby enjoy Hopefully a little bit of sunshine, the break, whatever you get up to. Have a great one. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. Mind yourselves. Take it easy. This episode of the 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors, Ireland's largest car website. Find your next premium car from one of our trusted dealerships. Driver's got names for filthy double barrels. He spits out, breaks out, only smokes carols. 
Two double barrels. He spits out, breaks out, only smokes carols. And he's the best in the world in mind, body, and spirit. Mind, body, and spirit. You better hear it, I fear it. Ah, that's the spirit. Saying sister, sister, how I miss you, miss you. Let's go wrist to wrist. So take the skin off of a blister. If you're a rock star, pawn star, super star, it doesn't matter. 